Hope you fathers had a great Father's Day um, last week. You guys had a good Father's Day? Y'all, how many of you got socks? Okay, one. Just one. Gotta pray for the rest of you. You gotta get socks. Look, look, here's my newest ones. Look. See? New socks right there. I can't go any higher because, you know, I'm old. I can't stretch. But um, it's, it's been good. The most unusual one that I had, um, the Father's Day celebration, was uh, one of the key leaders in our children's ministry. His name is David Doe. I don't think David's here. I think he's over there. Well, David Doe, his um, Father's Day tradition is that um, they get food from Taco Bell. And um, I guess he's never been to Los Angeles. But anyway, so they, they go to Taco Bell. And uh, I said, well, what do you get from Taco Bell? He said, it's the usual. This is his usual when David Doe goes to Taco Bell. He gets three burrito supremes, two taco supremes, uh, one order of cheesy potatoes, and a drink. And I'm thinking, oh, what? Is that for your whole family? He goes, no, that's just for him. So, um, yeah, some people get socks, and some people get 10,000 calories from um, Taco Bell. <laughs> like, I mean... I think one burrito, I'm done, like three, like holy mackerel. So if you see Dave down there, just, just shake his hand, all right? And he never gains weight. I don't know how he does that. All right, so this today we um, start a new series, a really important series. Um, you know, earlier this year, we started off this year uh, with a series called Who is Jesus? And, and we need to know who Jesus really is. There's so many ideas about who Jesus is out there. We need to know what the Bible says, and um, uh, we also need to know who the Holy Spirit is. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about that. But you know, in seminary, um, you read tons and tons of books. I mean, literally, uh, you're reading thousands of pages a semester, you know, and um, a lot of the books don't have pictures in them or anything like that. You're just reading, and one of the, I knew I was in for something was when, um, one of the orientation meetings that we had there, um, someone came up and said, you know, uh, we offer this uh, speed reading course that's been very helpful for, their, for our students. I understand what that is now because there's so much reading. But in all the readings, all the chapters, all the books, I look back, there was just one book. There was one book um, that stirred my heart like no others uh, when it came to the Holy Spirit. That I remember it was, um, you get like required readings, and then you get these other readings, suggested readings that no one really reads. But there was one book that I, I really wanted to read. It was um, a book written by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a Welsh pastor, uh, lived in the 1900s, and um, he, he eventually pastored at you know, the, the famous uh, church in London, the Westminster Chapel. And uh, he wrote a book entitled Joy Unspeakable, Joy Unspeakable. And, and that book was all about the Holy Spirit. And it began to, 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 to really cause me to think, you know, for the first time maybe in my Christian life, you know, to really think about who the Holy Spirit is. And he wrote this. He said, the world is not going to pay much attention to all the organized efforts of the Christian church. The one thing she will pay attention to is the body of people filled with the spirit of rejoicing. When the Holy Spirit is operating, there is, inevitable, there is an the inevitable result, a joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. 
And I, and I thought about that, and that's something I really wanted, that I wanted to experience that, you know? Um, when, I, when I think about the presence and the power and really the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and as I read through those pages of, of, of that book, and then as I read through all the passages uh, where the Holy Spirit is engaged in the Bible, I thought, man, you know, where is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life? And I think about what would happen? What would happen if, if I experience Romans 8, verse 9, where it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And, and what he's saying is that when, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we become a Christian, when we allow and we trust God and we allow Jesus and really believe in Jesus as our Savior, that, that part of what's supposed to happen is that we are to no longer be controlled by our sinful nature. Now, what is our sinful nature? That's just our human, natural nature. We just do the things we want to do. But he says, what, what, what should happen is that you are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you think about that. It's like it's one of those words, like, what? What does that mean to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? And... And as the years have gone by, I have just really sought in a greater way to what it means to be living a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit, to experience his presence and his power in my life. What would it look like in our church if we were, what if we came here every Sunday morning, and, and, and we left with an unmistakable experience of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit here. I think we would come with a whole different kind of anticipation. I think if we were sick, or we knew someone who was sick, or you know, there was something that needed healing, I think we would be so anxious for them or for us to come. Because we want to see the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit right here. And, you know, we think about it, and maybe we don't think about it. But Francis Chan says this in his book, Forgotten God, Reversing Our, Negative, Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. He wrote this. He says, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet that there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say that they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe that they can. And he goes on, he says, I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. And without him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. That's so true. 
And he says, the world is not moved, just like Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, the world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence of their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different. And the world cannot help but notice. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and we've been talking this past series, we've been talking about we need to move beyond being a, a fan of Jesus, just cheering and saying, yay, Jesus, Jesus is awesome, to really truly becoming followers of Jesus. And the truth is we, we cannot really follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit because we'll fall short. You know, I tried, but you just fall short. You know, I, I, and I tell this story all the time, that when I was in high school, you know, when I had become a Christian, I, I decided, you know, I, I just cannot speak and use the language that I was so accustomed to in high school, right? That, that there was a lot of naughty words that I used to say, you know, like swear words and all that. And I was really, I was really, Creative, I made up my own, some, you know, but, you know, it's like every sentence had, like, foul language. And I remember going to school thinking, I just cannot, I don't think I'm supposed to speak like that, you know. And, and I would go and walking to school, you know, back then, you know, we lived about, you know, five miles, and I walked to, to school barefooted, and it was all uphill both ways. But, you know, we would walk, and, and I'm all walking, I'm thinking, not swearing today, man, not swearing today, you know. And um, I get to school, and you see your friends, and you go, hey, how the beep? And oh, you mess up right there. You know, right at the beginning, I think, man, this is, why am I so weak? And that's how we are if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I remember one day, I was just praying, and I said, you know, God, I, I don't think I'm supposed to really talk like this. I just asked. God, and I said, you know, Holy Spirit, if you're there, I just need deliverance from this. And all of a sudden, this, like, just like that, I had no desire, and, and I, I acquired different vocabulary. It was just kind of really weird, just like that. And ever since that day, not much uh, at all, only for emphasis for certain times or describing what someone said, I haven't used that kind of language. It's kind of weird that way. And, you know, like, you know, in sports and in basketball and stuff, in the heat of the moment, sometimes words come out. Words never came out, you know. You know, like when you shoot and you miss, and, like, you know, words come out. Um, but when I did, I hardly missed, but, you know, when I did, one of the few times that I did, I was like, oh, golly, I missed, you know. <laughs> you know no, but, you know, never did. And that was evidence to me of the power of the Holy Spirit. He just changed it just like that. And... And I believe that, that God wants to introduce himself and he wants us to live a life that's transformed by being introduced to the Holy Spirit. Because I believe what Francis Chan is saying, so much of his church, the church, we, we know about the Holy Spirit, but we don't actually experience the Holy Spirit. And over the course of this, this series, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking and looking at who the Holy Spirit and what he does. 
And today, I just wanted to give a real quick kind of um, introduction on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. And um, I'm going to look at a lot of scripture. There's notes in there. You can just follow along, right? So who is the Holy Spirit? The first thing, the Holy Spirit, that we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is God, that the Holy Spirit is God. That, that's the mystery of God, that there are three persons but one God. And that's what's commonly called, you know, the Trinity, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that, that they're all three God, and they're all three one. But there's three distinct persons and personalities, all having all the attributes of God. And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wish. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. You didn't have to do this, he's saying. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. And just in that short passage, you see he's saying, you're lying to the Holy Spirit, and then now he's saying you're lying to God. And, and the Holy Spirit and God they're used interchangeably because God, because the Holy Spirit is God, and God is the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal who? The eternal Holy Spirit. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And, and we see that the Holy Spirit is eternal. Only God is there. He's eternal. And, 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 and as God, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, that he's present everywhere at one time. In Psalm 139, verse 7, it says, I will never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. And the Holy Spirit is every. He's omnipresent. He's also omniscient. He's also all-knowing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, No one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we receive God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And you see that, that, that the Holy Spirit, as you read the scriptures, it just, he has all the attributes of God because he is God. Not only is he God, that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force. It's not just a power like, ooh. No. He's a person. Just as Jesus and God the Father are persons, so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has emotions like a person does. In Ephesians 4.30, says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption, that he has emotions because he's a person. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 11, it says, it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, all the spiritual gifts, that he alone decides which gift each person should have. And so like people... And like all persons, the Holy Spirit kind of has a will that he decides on his own who gets what spiritual gifts. 
That's who the Holy Spirit is. Um, the Holy Spirit has a mind, and, and he sees and helps us in our weaknesses. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that. And there are certain times, I don't know what to pray. When, when, you're, when you go to the hospital and a nine-month, a, a, a woman who has been pregnant for nine months, um, she has a sudden heart attack and she dies and the baby dies and the families come and you're there. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I need the Holy Spirit to be there. Because what do you say at a time like that? But the Holy Spirit is a person, and he's there, and he's helping us. He's there to help us. Not only is the Holy Spirit God, he's a person, but the Holy Spirit, this is the amazing part, that the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, who has all the attributes of God, who is a person, he lives inside of us that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27, it says, when I, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says that, you know, you yourself, you're, the, you're God's temple and that the God's spirit dwells in your midst. You see, that as, as mind-boggling as it is, that when we make a decision to follow Jesus and accept him as our Savior, the Holy Spirit takes residence in our lives. You know, that's crazy to me. You know, that the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And here we have this, this holy, this mysterious Holy Spirit, and he's God. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, he's living inside of us. Is he controlling your life? Do you experience his, his presence in your life? Well, not only do we need to know who the Holy Spirit is, we need to begin to know what he does in our lives. Like, what does the Holy Spirit actually do? Well, the first thing is he gives life. He gives life. In Job chapter 34... Verse 15, it says, if God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would again turn to dust. And what he does is he's, he gives life to everyone. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life to all of, one, all of us. And when we choose to accept Jesus as our Savior and follow him, the Holy Spirit gives us a new life, a new life. In John 3, 6 and 7, it says, human can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. You see, the, the amazing thing is you can, you, we can mess up our lives, and some of us have messed up our lives. And we come to a point where we say, you know, we just give up. We need you, Jesus, into our lives. And we accept, say, Jesus, 
I need you. And when, and when Jesus becomes the Savior of our lives, that he, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing is he begins to give us a new life, that you get a new life. You know, there's, there's a, a pastor, his name is Roy Yamamoto. And Roy Yamamoto, he, um, he oversees this amazing ministry called Camp Agape. And Roy Yamamoto, and what Camp Agape is, is, is ministering to, to people, but mainly the children of incarcerated people. And they have this amazing camp where it's not just rah, 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 shish, boom, ba kind of thing. But what, what they're doing is, is they're being reconciliation between the kids and their parents, and God's changing their, their, uh, the children. God's changing their parents. There's amazing things that are happening in prison because of Camp Agape. And God is using Roy Yamamoto because Roy Yamamoto was once an incarcerated person. He was in prison, and he was supposed to be in prison for 80 years. And God somehow, someway, when, when God got a hold of Roy, he so changed his life. The Holy Spirit gave him a new life. And he, and he gave him a vision and a mission. And as he began to step in that, he got released. It was, it was miraculous. And one day we should, have, we should have Pastor Roy come and speak. Because it's an amazing story. But when I look at Roy, and, and Roy was really scary. Like in prison, there was guys that you don't fool around with. He was one of those guys. You know, from everything I've heard, he was like the scariest person in prison. But you meet him today. He's like this teddy bear guy that I can even joke around with and not have to worry too much, you know? But that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us life, and he gives us new life. Not only that, is that he cleanses us and gives us the power to walk as followers of Christ. He convicts the world of sin. In John 16, 8, what we read there is he convicts the world. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, everything would buckle loose. There would be no sense of right and wrong. That's the part of the Holy Spirit. He, he shows us what is right and wrong. Not only that, that he cleanses believers, us, to follow Jesus. In, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11, some of you were once like that, but now you're cleansed. You are made holy. You are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by what? By what power? By the power of the Spirit of our God. That Jesus saves us and the Holy Spirit cleanses us. And not only does he cleanse us, he gives us life, he cleanses us, but he produces growth as we grow in holiness of God. In, in, in Galatians chapter 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he bears fruit in our lives, all of our lives. That's part of who the Holy Spirit is. And then he guides and directs followers of Jesus. He's there to guide and direct us. 
I mean, that's the greatest thing. Someone would say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. I don't know if I'm supposed to go, what job, or do I stay here and go to the next job? He guides and directs followers of Christ. In John 14, 16, I will ask, Jesus is saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another help, helper, and he may be with you, that he may be with you forever. That the Holy Spirit is here, and he lives inside of you, and he's going to be there forever. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You know, the greatest thing is the Holy Spirit is, is, will always lead you into truth. Every Sunday, as I'm driving in, I'm praying. I say, God, today through your word, Holy Spirit, will you lead us into all truth? Because it's truth that sets us free. You know, and I'm just praying every week, will you lead us into truth? Goes on, it says in, in Galatians chapter 5, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives so that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I don't know how many times that the Holy Spirit leads and directs me and he helps me so I won't be doing what my sinful nature craves to do, especially when I'm driving, right? Because when you're driving, man, I don't know what happens, but sinful nature comes up because there's so many not very good drivers on the road. They're just driving a little bit too slow. No. They take the speed suggestion signs as, as real, and they, they just go slow. And, and it's like, come on. Okay. No. And I get impatient. And God, the Holy Spirit, says, whoa, Mark, that is not a suggestion, those signs. Those signs are not suggestions. Those signs are good ideas. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're limits, right? And I can't tell you how many times when I'm driving that the Holy Spirit is just speaking to me. Not only that, that he gives, the Holy Spirit gives encouragement. And he just gives encouragement in every situation. There are times when we need encouragement. We need strength. We need joy. And he gives it to us. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and they became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it just grew in numbers. The Holy Spirit will give you peace, and he'll strengthen you. No matter what situation that you're going through, Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does, that he gives you encouragement, he gives you peace, he gives you strength, he gives you joy in every situation. You know, Father's Day is always just this crazy day for me. Just the weirdest things would happen on Father's Day. You know, my first Father's Day, my daughter is 10 months old, her first one. She goes emergency surgery, you know, to, to, uh, at Kapiolani. You know, it's like, man, great Father's Day. And I'm all anxious, right? Because, you know, it's like, oh, no, is this my first and last Father's Day? You know? And I remember waiting for the surgery, you know, as the surgery is going on, 
And I'm not a good waiter. I'm just not. And, and all of a sudden, I just felt, as I prayed, I said, God, I can't do nothing. And I felt the peace of the Holy Spirit. And I know it was supernatural. Because I'm not peaceful in those situations. I'm just not. But in that situation, I was peaceful. Because the Holy Spirit was just giving me supernatural peace. And in every situation and circumstance, that's what he does. But not only does he give us peace, he gives us the gifts and the power. The gifts and the power to walk in God's call for your life. I mean, how amazing is that? Not only does he call us to something, that he'll give us the gifts and the power to accomplish what he calls us to. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same God, the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is not for us. It's for others. So we can bless. And then in Acts 1, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you're going to be my witnesses throughout the world. God wants to give us the gifts and the power. How does he do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and the Holy Spirit is to be active in our lives, to do all these things, give us life, he cleanses us, he guides, he directs us, he encourages, he gives us encouragement, peace, strength. And, and he provides the gifts and the powers to do everything he wants us to do. To which Francis Chan says in his book, it is true that the Spirit of God dwells in us and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living in side of him or her, and the person who does not? This may be a silly illustration, but if I told you I had an encounter with God and where he entered my body and gave me the supernatural ability to play basketball, wouldn't you expect to see an amazing improvement in my jump shot, my defense, my speed on the court? After all, this is God we're talking about. And if you saw no change in my athleticism, wouldn't you question the validity of my encounter? And so he goes on, he says, churchgoers all across the nation say the Holy Spirit has entered them. They claim that God has given them a supernatural ability to follow Christ, put their sins to death, and serve the church. Yet, yet, when those outside the church sees no difference in our lives, they begin to question our integrity, our sanity, and even worse, or even worse, our God. Can you blame? Pretty thought-provoking and challenging words. See, if you're wondering, does the Holy Spirit really lead us? Does he really do all this? Well, an example of that is that all this year, it has been God encouraging us and leading us and spurring us all on to make a difference in our world that we are called to make a difference. 
We're called to be shining examples of what God can do in the lives of people. That, that God has called us to not only live in a city, but he's called us to transform this city with his presence and his love. That's what he's called us to do. But what he did was he says, you know, where, where you got to start, church, is you got to know who Jesus is. And so we did that series. The Holy Spirit led us to do a series on who Jesus is. And then he said, he led us on a series that not only do we need to know Jesus, we need to really begin to follow him. And so again, it was the Holy Spirit who led us into this series called Not a Fan, in which he was encouraging us, take that step, take that step to being just a fan of Jesus, to being a true follower of his. And then now, he's leading us because he says, okay, you know who Jesus is. You know that you've called to be a follower, not just a fan. That he wants to be your one and only, not your one of many. But in order to do that, you're going to need some help beyond what you can do. You need to know who the Holy Spirit is. And so he's led us here. He's led us here to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. I was going to wait till after, but Cheryl, just, you can pass out those cards. What I did was I just made, just yesterday I just thought of this. It's what I just spoke about. But this is a card like this, and it has exactly what I talked about this morning. And what I felt was, I wanted you to have this. More than just taking your notes, I wanted you to have this. And what I encourage you is just stick it in your Bible, right? And every week, there's going to be a different member of our teaching team. They're going to come up, and they're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. But, but this is where it starts. Someone might come up, and they might talk about how the Holy Spirit leads them in their lives. Someone's going to come up and talk about how do, how do you keep in step with the Holy Spirit every day? But it comes back to who, who the Holy Spirit, knowing who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. And so just, just take that and come back. And as people are talking and they're sharing about how the Holy Spirit is active in their lives, come back to that, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. This is going to be an important adventure for us because all of us who made a decision, I'm going to follow Jesus, can't do it on our own strength. For those of you who say, I'm going to be the best husband, can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be the best wife. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And if God is living in us, isn't it, wouldn't it be the wisest thing to access his power that's living in us? I mean, the saddest thing is, is you got all that power in you and you're just trying your very best to do this, to do something that the Holy Spirit is saying, man, if you would just ask me, I am right here. And the question today is, you know, 
Will you continue to be controlled by your sinful nature and desires, just doing the things you want to do? Or isn't it time to say, maybe, you know, I'm not sure what it all means yet, but, but I want to begin, like it says in Romans, I want to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to control. And I pray at the end of our series, all of us would say, I am so glad that I've made a decision. Holy Spirit, you control me. Wouldn't that be great? Why don't you stand with me? And uh, we're going to be singing the song. And, and let this song kind of be our prayer. And that as you think ahead for the rest of this series, that will you begin even now to say, Holy Spirit, will you, will you begin to, to lead me that I would give up control? I think the third week in July, we're going to have a special service. We're not going to be here. We're going to be at the auditorium. We're going to take a... We're just going to have one service that day, and we're just going to take a time in which we're just going to bless McKinley High School. We're going to bless um, the, um, just all schools pretty much as we begin a new school year, but also focusing in on um, the football program uh, at, that we're really involved in there. And so um, just keep that on your calendar. But the reason I'm bringing this up is I think, I think we're going to be doing like a special love offering. Um, maybe we'll... We'll, we'll take it on the week before July 15th, I think it is. We're just going to take a love offering as a way to bless um, that program. Uh, we've done that in the past. You know, that, you know, it's a public school program. Just, they're always in need of, of funding. And so that's one way in which we can practically bless them. Right? So um, I'll talk about that a little more as, as in the next couple weeks. But uh, maybe what you can do is start, you know, start... You know, like just sacrificing a Starbucks um, you know, a couple times a week, put it in a jar, and then, you know, let's just give that. Uh, we, we all do that. Probably we can give them like five, $6,000, I guess. I don't know. But let's, let's do that. And then the second thing is, you know, when we were just worshiping now, I just kind of sense that if you, if you might have some, some digestive kind of issues, I don't know, what it, ulcer, whatever it is, um, I think God might want to heal you today. Um, so... As you know, we go out and 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 get refreshments and stuff. Uh, if you know, you just you just have some kind of digestive system. Just come up. We all have digestive system, digestive challenges. Just come up, and I'll just pray, and we'll just pray. Maybe God, I believe God will heal you today. All right, God bless. Have a great, great week.